Hello, Warriors. This is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson, and welcome to Warrior Life Podcast number 355. It's been a while. Uh, I asked Jeff if I could take the podcast this week because I had an experience this weekend that really got me to thinking about where a lot of our Warrior Life community is when it comes to in-person combatives and martial arts training. Uh, I think this is an important topic, and I know it might make a few of you uncomfortable, but trust me, by the time we're done, you're going to be a lot happier about where we're at. All right, are you ready? Then let's talk in-person training. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right, Warriors, we are back with Warrior Life. This is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson. Again, um, I asked Jeff if I could sit in on the podcast this week. I know it's been a while since I did one, and I always enjoyed doing them. But the reason I wanted to do this one in particular is because this week I did something that I haven't done for a couple of years now. I went to an in-person martial arts seminar. Now, I know that there's a dividing line between martial arts and self-defense and combatives and the types of things that we talk about and, and advocate at Warrior Life, uh, because obviously while uh, none of us here has anything bad to say about martial arts in general, there clearly is a difference between some martial arts, at least, and more practical combative-style training. Um, that's, a, that's a debate we're not going to solve today. That's something that people talk about a lot. But... It is also a fact that everyone, even people who've embraced the practical combative side of fighting for self-defense, most of them have tried martial arts or are still training in martial arts uh, and have martial arts as some kind of a foundation. You don't have to have that to be able to physically defend yourself. Defending yourself is really not as hard as some people would like you to believe it is. You just have to put the time in. You just have to do the work. And I know that this is a touchy subject for a lot of us because most of us don't train in person as much as we should or even want to, and a lot of us don't train in person at all. Now, I'm not saying that that's bad, that that's your choice, but it reminds me of a survey we did uh, on our, I think it was on our Facebook page quite a while back now. We surveyed people and asked them about dry firing, and almost everyone acknowledged that dry firing was a really useful way to train for uh, gunfighting, and most people acknowledged that they don't do it as much as they should. They, they were aware of the problem. So I'm willing to bet that you know that you should probably get some in-person training, even if just a little, but you probably don't do it as much as you know you should. And I was right there with you. I was right in that boat. I To give you uh, some idea of my background, I have been training in martial arts for many, many years. I started in college, and I've stuck with it for uh, years now. But in the last few years, I uh, i guess you would call me semi-retired from in-person training. My teacher, who I went to for years, retired down to Florida. I'm up in New York. Um, and I just uh, I took that as an opportunity to focus on different things and uh, didn't do as much as, as I had been doing. I certainly wasn't going to any kind of a regular class. Well, then the pandemic hit, and everybody stopped doing stuff in person. A, lo a lot of uh, instructors tried to compensate by doing video training, you know, Zoom training and, and stuff like that. But the pandemic made it hard for people to get together, especially in a martial arts setting where you've got people working closely together in physical contact with each other. Let's face it, if anybody was breathing COVID germs on anybody else, there was no way to stop that from, from affecting people. So 
for the most part during 2020, all that stuff shut down. And uh, we're halfway into 2021 now. Um, and a lot of us are back at the point where we're more comfortable getting together with people again in groups. And when I found out that my teacher was coming up from Florida to, to visit because he still has family in this area and give some seminars, I thought, you know, I should really push myself to go. The problem is that I haven't done this for, you know, years, a couple of years now. It, it's, it's now measured in years. And I was jumping right in the deep end and doing a two-hour class, and I wasn't sure how it was going to fare. And that got me to thinking about all the people out there who know that they should probably be doing some in-person training, but they have a lot of, of uh, internalized myths and misinformation that are stopping them from even trying. So I thought this week we would cover five of those myths that stop people from training in person and uh, debunk them, talk about why they're false and why you shouldn't let them be obstacles to you going out and finding in-person training. Uh, because it really will help you, even if it's just a combative seminar, even if it's just something simple. Uh, this will help you. So myth number one uh, is that uh, a lot of people, and I've encountered this a lot, I get this question a lot. I see these questions. Um, among other things, uh, people will send us messages on our Facebook page and ask us questions. I've seen some emails about this. I, In my personal life, I've had people email me about this. They think that training simply isn't available. A lot of people will say, well, you know, I have a karate place and I have a taekwondo place. Uh, maybe there's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu place. Those are pretty common. But I don't know if those are right for me. And, you know, especially in the case of something like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, that is a game for younger men for the most part. And, and if you're an older guy like me, uh, you really aren't looking to, to get into that and end up getting hurt a lot. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of you out there who do actually do Brazilian jiu-jitsu or, or a more traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu or judo or something like that. And that's great. But for a lot of people, they think that the training they want isn't available. That's actually a myth, and I'll tell you why. There is more training available in your area than you think it is. Uh, when I first started looking for you know, I started to get it into my head that I needed to find a martial art that was right for me. When I started looking, I discovered there was all kinds of training that I just didn't know was out there because I wasn't looking for it. Um, there's a lot of training of people who aren't advertising actively or who don't have necessarily storefronts. Maybe they train out of their homes. Uh, my teacher, actually, who's a, a very well-respected teacher, he retired from his his day job many, many years ago and just taught out of his basement dojo for for a couple of decades after that. Like, you know, the guy has turned out a steady stream of students all from his home. You'd never know it, except by word of mouth. He's not advertising. I met him through a coworker, uh, a coworker who I, I was going to one school and I said, hey, come on out to the school with me. And he said, okay, but in exchange, you got to come see my teacher. So I did. And I ended up liking it so much that I stuck with it for years. So there's more training out there than you think there is. And there's more realistic training available than you think there is. You can even get together with a bunch of people and bring in a combatives instructor. A lot of these guys in the industry make their money through going and doing training, going and giving a weekend class or giving a, a single day's class or even a short one, you know, depending on their travel schedule and where they're going to be. You can even arrange for training to come to you. So if you have somebody whose work you like, find out. Go to their website. Contact them. Find out what they charge for a seminar, how many people you'd have to get together. Because remember, even if an individual instructor charges what sounds like a lot of money, that's not a lot of money when you divide it up around a lot of people. Um, at the class I attended this weekend, there were 30 people there, and all we paid was $25 a person. 
Um, it's really helpful to go to just seminars, even if you don't want to enroll in an actual school. There are constant. There's a constant stream of seminars. Again, this was when things were normal, and it's starting to get back to normal now post-pandemic. So you're going to see more and more availability of seminars, combatives and martial arts and, and uh, other self-defense training. This extends also to firearms training. Um, I've done lots and lots of, of gun classes over the years, shotgun classes, carbine classes, things like that. So anything I'm saying about martial arts can be extended to in-person firearms and force-on-force training. Some of that's really fun, too. Um, Training in person gives you the opportunity to get feedback from an instructor, somebody who can actually tell you what you're doing right and what you're not doing right, where you need to work. Um, it gives you the opportunity to work with people of different skill levels, different body types. In martial arts, this is especially important. I'm a fairly large man. Um, most of the people that I work with are not bigger than me. At this seminar was a guy who's close to seven feet tall. He's a former mixed martial arts competitor um, who happened to have trained under my teacher and, and so has been uh, popping up at these seminars for, for many years. And he's a super nice man, but working with him is absolutely terrifying <laughs> because he's gigantic. I'm not used to being that much smaller than the person that I'm quote-unquote fighting. So that was a really neat experience, and it's a very useful one. Uh, people often avoid in-person training because they don't think it's available. They don't look for it. But that brings us to myth number two. A lot of people avoid in-person training because they're worried that they're going to look foolish. Um, so myth number two, I don't want to look silly. Well, you don't need to worry about that. A lot of us feel that way. A lot of us worry about looking foolish. The same is true of shooting classes and stuff like that. Uh, I... I was feeling very self-conscious before going to this class, uh, and even I, with as, as many uh, seminars under my belt as I have, I know better than to worry about that. But I did. I felt that way a little bit. I forced myself to go. At your average class, whether it's a shooting class or a martial arts class or a combative seminar, people are not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. Most of them are thinking the exact same thing. I don't want to look silly. So you really don't need to worry about, you know, feeling self-conscious or, or looking foolish. You're only competing with yourself. Your only goal is to obtain training and competence so that you can defend yourself and defend your family. And that's really what you should be focused on. But better yet, the people around you are thinking that same thing. They're not looking to make fun of you. They're not looking to have a problem with you. Um, and even if you just put the time in and you, and you just put forth the effort, that earns the respect of people around you who don't know you. I went to a carbine class once years ago, and by carbine, I'm talking about most people showed up there with AR-15s. There was a couple of guys with AKs uh, and a couple of guys with Beretta Storm uh, carbines. Well, when I took that class, the only carbine, quote unquote, that I had was a high point, a high point nine millimeter carbine. And those are not the most ergonomic weapons that it kind of cut up my hands a little bit, the switches and stuff, the safety switch in particular. And the, uh, the magazine only held 10 rounds, so I had to do a lot more magazine changes than other people with higher capacity magazines. But when I went into that class, I didn't realize, uh, people told me afterwards that, you know, there was a few people going, a high point? Oh, that's going to be nothing but trouble. Well, no, the gun functioned and functioned well. I was able to do the whole class because I just focused on being slow and steady and, and doing the work. And, and getting through it, and I did fine. Uh, the two guys who were there with Beretta Storms were security officers of some kind from a local college where they have like a, their own police force on the campus, and they had problems with magazine handling, I was told. Uh, if I asked because I was wondering if the storm was jamming, and they're like, no, no, it was just, just a magazine handling issue. You can train that out. It's, it's fine. 
but I did fine. And and uh, one guy came up to me and told me, you know, I was kind of was kind of laughing when I saw that high point book, but you you got through that whole class and you did great. That's that's good work. So people are friendlier than you think they are. And when you're thinking about going and doing an in-person class, a martial arts class or even a shooting class or a, or a knife seminar, anything, if you're having feelings of, of self-consciousness, you're worried that you're going to look silly or that other people will laugh at you behind your back, you, you don't need to worry about that. Everybody who goes to these classes, they've already gone there to learn and they want to help you learn. And yeah, once in a while you run into quote unquote that guy and I'm going to talk about that guy in, in a bit. But he's in the distinct minority, and everybody else knows about that guy, too. So we'll get to that guy uh, when, when we get a little further down the list. Um, myth number three, though, is kind of kind of goes hand in hand. A lot of people are worry, worried that the training will be too hard, wherever the training is. Um, you needn't be worried about that. Any good teacher, any good trainer knows that they're going to have students of different ability levels, especially if this is a seminar or a training class that's open to the public. They know that they have people who aren't necessarily all in the same place. Also, when it comes to physical exertion, uh, you know, anything that involves physically training, you know, martial arts, combative, stuff like that, nobody's going to fault you if you need to sit down, uh, uh, sit out, take a rest. Uh, not everybody can go at the same pace. Um, I remember explaining to somebody once that when, when I, I would go to seminars and I would get hurt, and they would say to me, uh, try not to get hurt this time. I'm like, you don't understand. I'm not 20 years old. I'm not made of rubber. Uh, you know, the 20-year-old guys never get hurt. But that's not the same for me, twice that age. Um, so always go at your own pace. Do not worry that anyone's going to force you to go at a pace you don't want to go at. That is not a concern. A good teacher will account for that. Um, and yes, you may have a bad experience where you get a teacher who doesn't understand that because not all teachers are equally good. Years ago, I was taking private lessons in uh, judo, and uh, it was something I wanted to do, and I thought if I take private lessons, I can go at my own pace and I can learn this, because I, I wasn't particularly good at it, and I wasn't in great physical shape. Well, that worked fine until my teacher had to have surgery. In order to compensate for that, he brought in another guy who was a more advanced student to sort of help take the load of the classes and all of a sudden, I was no longer going at my own pace. I was going at new guy's pace. He wasn't really new guy. He was more experienced guy. And I was new guy. So I had to call a halt to that. You know, the teacher was well-meaning. But I said, look, I'm, I'm no longer moving at my own pace. I'm now trying and struggling to keep up with this other fellow. And it's just not working for me. So if you get, you know, you get into a situation where you feel like you're being pushed beyond what you can do, there's a fine line between someone trying to get the most out of you and, and really show you what you're capable of and somebody who's just pushing you past your level of ability. The only person who can judge that is you. And kind of like being your own advocate when you're at a doctor's office and you have to be a, you have to advocate for yourself as a patient, when you're a student, you have to look out for where are my limits because the teacher doesn't know how you're feeling. He can make something of a judgment looking at you from the outside in. You're like, wow, he looks like he's about to pass out. Maybe he should sit down. But nobody really knows how you're feeling but you. So just be your own advocate. Look out for yourself. Go at your own pace. No one is going to fault you for that. Uh, and frankly, if people were going to fault you for that, you don't want to train with those folks. Um, that brings me to another uh, common objection, another myth. A lot of people claim that, that training in person, especially in any kind of a martial arts setting, that it's a waste of time. 
uh, you know, like I don't, I don't need to do that. I don't need to mess around with that. I'm not into, you know, all these these complicated and unhelpful martial arts systems. I'm not doing any of that. I understand that. And uh, to be honest, after years of martial arts training, I've come around to a much more simple way of thinking about combatives myself. But that doesn't mean there isn't anything to gain from a more traditional martial arts training setting. Um, there are a lot of unrealistic martial arts out there, but there's a lot more of them that will really help you, give you a foundation for making your other training more useful. For example, I trained for years in what are more traditional martial arts before I discovered uh, you know, military-style combatives, which was a much more simple way of learning to fight. You can learn it a lot faster. You practice it on a heavy bag or on a body opponent bag, you know, a torso-shaped punching bag, and it's, it's really effective and really fast stuff. But the foundation I had in martial arts that taught me things about like basic footwork and balance and how to develop power and even just how to throw a punch... Those are all useful things. That's useful foundation. And so it makes it possible for you to get a, a DVD on a, a certain self-defense system or to, to get a book on combatives and to actually learn from it. It's very hard to go from zero to competent when all you have is books and videos. But if you have a little bit of in-person foundation, it's much easier to learn things from you know your, your at-home style training. So the two work together really well. There are plenty of people who only ever train at home and only ever work with at-home materials such as the ones we offer at Warrior Life, and that's fine. But I'm saying if you actually take the jump, if you go out and learn in person, you know, supplement your at-home training with in-person combatives and shooting and knife and, and other stuff uh, training, all these topic areas, you will be much better off. And I know I have been. Uh, and after taking that seminar this weekend, after a couple of years off, it reminded me of how much better off you are, uh, how much more helpful it is to everything you do to actually get some in-person training. All right, that brings me to our final myth, myth number five, to, to give you a recap up to this point. Myth number one was that training isn't available, but it actually is. You, there's a lot more of it out there than you think. Myth number two is that training will make you feel fo uh, foolish or silly. But it shouldn't. You should not feel self-conscious. Everybody's there to learn, and people are a lot nicer than you think they are. They're also a lot more focused on themselves than you think they are. Uh, myth number three was that the training will be too hard, but no, it shouldn't be. If your teachers are decent, they'll accommodate you if you're if you're learning at a level that's below you know other people. Nobody's going to hold it against you. Everybody just wants to learn. Um, and then number four was that the training is a waste of time because a lot of these are unrealistic martial arts. You're not going to use that stuff. Why would I do that? Well, a lot of them can give you a good foundation that will help you with your other training. Um, that brings me to five, the fifth myth, and my favorite one. And that is, I'll be that guy. Or maybe that you'll encounter that guy. Now, encountering that guy is not a myth. You will meet that guy. But you don't have to be that guy. What do I mean by that guy? That guy is the jerk that nobody wants to partner up with at a seminar. They do exist. I have encountered them. I know other people who have encountered them. These are people who, are, they're, they're not good training partners. Either they're know-it-alls or they're arrogant or um, they're kind of gross or they're jerks to you. How do you avoid being that guy? It's the same way that you spot that guy. For example, before you go to a training class, you trim your nails, you make sure you're showered up, you've engaged in good, proper hygiene, so that when you're in that class, you don't stink more than you need to. Now, in a, in a class like this, and this was 30 people in a small area on a hot summer day, we were sweating pretty good. So 
you're not going to be able to avoid sweat. It, it happens. But you can avoid being stinky and nasty when you show up there. And you can avoid having nails that are long and sharp. I, I remember once years ago, I was at, a, I was at a, a class and a guy cut me with his nails more than once. And I finally told the teacher, I'm like, look, this is a problem. I'm not working with him if this is going to persist. So, you know, that guy actually had to get talked to. And he was that guy, that guy who doesn't understand how to behave. Uh, and you, once in a while you encounter him, but once you can spot him, you can avoid him. You, know, and you don't have to work with anybody you don't want to. Um, any, any training class, any seminar, anything like that, nobody can force you to do stuff you don't want to do. It is not unreasonable to refuse. So if you get a guy who's just stinky and nasty, it's okay to be like, eh, I'm going to sit this one out. No, thanks. Um, but you can avoid being him by making sure you don't exhibit those qualities. It's just polite. Um, another thing is nobody, you, you avoid being that guy by not being the first person to go full power. Like I've had uh, seminar experiences where the training partner didn't understand what power level we were using and would hit or kick too hard right out of the gate. There's a couple of ways to handle that. You can give them right back to it just as hard, and suddenly the two of you are fighting. You can tell them, hey, whoa, 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 dial it back, pal. We're going to be here a while. Let's not go whole hog just yet. You can also wait to see what power level your partner gives you and then match it. What I always try to avoid doing is being the first guy to go too hard. Because some classes, they train harder than others. I always try to gauge, like, okay, what's the power level we're using here? What's expected? I don't want to be the first guy to, to amp it up. I want to see... You know, how hard are they punching and kicking? How strenuous is this going to be? So that you don't look like you're trying to knock everybody's block off and, and show off when really we're all just trying to learn. So that guy is the guy that goes full power right out of the gate. You don't want to be him. But uh, you get somebody who does that. It's okay to say, hey, hey, going to need you to dial that back. I don't need a broken shin. Thanks. You know, this is just a training class. And then finally, uh, that guy in a training class is often the guy who He's not respectful. He doesn't listen. He challenges the teacher. He's, he's got a lot of ideas in his head. and He has this attitude that, well, the teacher's wrong, so I'm going to challenge him and make him look foolish. Uh, here's a tip. You aren't going to make the teacher look foolish at his own seminar. I don't care how many movies you've seen. The guy is teaching for a reason. He's dealt with you before, people like you. It's kind of like when people call into a talk show and they think they're going to make the talk show host look foolish, but that guy has control of the microphone and he's dealt with hecklers before. You're not going to win that argument. And any guy in a, in a seminar, whoever thought he was going to get arrogant and, and uh, challenge the teacher, most of them make the mistake of saying, well, that wouldn't work because X, Y, Z. And then the teacher will look at you and go, well, come on up here and I'll show you. When they demonstrate on you, that's when you're in trouble. So avoid being that guy by listening, by being respectful. Even if you disagree, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to go to a class and then when you're done, say to yourself, I'm not going to use that. I don't think that's practical. I think it's too complicated. But at least you had the experience. And if you're polite and respectful and you listen, you're going to get a lot more out of the experience than if you were challenging and combative and, and you know just generally rude to the person teaching. These are just five relatively simple myths that often are the obstacles to why people don't go out and get in-person training. Most of the time, we're talking about martial arts and combatives type training. But again, these same principles apply to shooting classes. Um, it is much more available than you think it is. It's less expensive than you think it is. Um, a lot of it is really quite affordable. Um, and, you know, even if you wanted to sign up for a class that goes long term, you can do that for a couple hundred bucks a month. That's not a small amount, 
But if you think about all the other stuff that you spend money on that adds up to a couple hundred bucks a month, if you really wanted to make that a priority, you could. Um, and if you don't want to spend that, you could you know, be one of those people that goes to just seminars, goes to what training is available and supplements it with, with at-home training. All of that works. The point is to get out there and get some experience and get some training and to get more input than just what's in your own head. If all you're ever doing is at-home stuff by yourself, you've got no external force that's giving you new ideas and giving you feedback on what you're doing. So it can be really helpful to get in-person training to supplement what you're already doing. And as long as you follow a few basic rules like, you know, keeping yourself clean, being polite, listening, and not being the first guy to try and take the other guy's head off, you can also avoid, avoid being that guy. <laughs> and I've worked with that guy more than once, um, while also being able to spot that guy and, and uh, you know, go out of your way to not work with him. So there is no reason not to get in-person training. And I was reminded of that this weekend when after a couple of years off, I went to the first class I've been to now post-pandemic. Um, I think if you take the time to do that, you're going to get a lot out of it. And at the end of the day, that's really uh, what warrior life is all about. It's about improving yourself. It's about learning and about becoming a more effective and uh, 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 experienced and capable person. So that's all I have to say about that. Again, this is Buck Green filling in for Jeff Anderson, who will be back with us soon. Until next time, prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.